Hello and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka That Strong Guy. And let's get into it on today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, days and thems. What a week of Premier League football we have been so blessed to witness. It's been fantastic. The festive season has started off with a fucking bang. My word entertainment galore you can barely take your eyes off of the games happening and there were a couple games happening at the exact same time equally exciting goals galore upsets comebacks red cards bangers and i mean fucking bangers of goals this this oh my goodness this has started off absolutely on fire i did say in my previous episode this is my favorite time of the year when it comes to football when it comes to life my favorite time of the year everyone is usually in somewhat of a good mood specifically down in sa shout out to south africa one of my top top two uh countries in my spotify wrapped uh for podcasts so thank you guys very much for all the listens all the love that you guys show the u.s is number one so far it doesn't even make sense however it's my favorite time of the year the absolute and the premier league has delivered usually these games once every two three days it's the best time of the year the most exciting and wow what a two rounds of premier league action that we have had and starting off with the sunday so the saturday this past saturday wasn't that great it wasn't amazing kind of typical results the one big result was newcastle beating man united i did not see that game however i did hear and i of course i saw a few highlights uh, newcastle really dominated them but up at st james park they're really really good there i, I have said before i still don't, i kind of don't understand how liverpool beat them with 10 men darwin nunez with that chaotic factor hey who knows but newcastle are continuing on their good run of form they are challenging for the top four that as they did last season they should be there and thereabouts this season there is a new name in that in that uh in the in the mix when it comes to the top four race aston villa fantastic season we'll get to them very very soon actually we'll get to them very soon uh because i want to start off this episode on manchester city the reigning defending three times in a row champions of england they're champions of europe right now and they're i'm pretty sure they're going to go and win the club world cup to become champions of the world And they are in an unprecedented situation right now. Their run of form reads like this. In their past four games, they have not picked up maximum points. Not once. Four games in a row drop points from Manchester City, from Pep's Manchester City. That's unheard of. Ridiculous. Uh, And they started off their weekend on the glorious Sunday. Goal-filled Sunday. Incredible stuff. Uh, the just the the entertainment factor of the Premier League is peak right now. I don't think there's ever been a more entertaining season or entertaining run of fixtures that I've seen in a while. There was a, a Boxing Day a couple of years ago when there were goals galore, but th- this one was just excellent. And it kind of started off for, from a Manchester City perspective over these two games over the past week. 
up against Spurs. Uh, I believe they were playing at home. Yes, they were playing at home at the Etihad Stadium. Of course, the week before, they had drawn to Liverpool. They did go 1-0 up, and then they ended up drawing that game, dropping points. First game that they had dropped points at home in 2023. Think about that. In 2023, the first game that they dropped points was end of November. Incredible stuff. It kind of shows the consistency and the the standards that Pep has set, which is why they've won the Premier League three times in a row. We can't really argue with that. We can't argue with the success. We can argue how they got that success. Hopefully, we'll get a resolution soon on that. I'm hearing 2025, and I'm referring to the 115 financial breaches uh, and um, allegations, that whole situation happening, looming large over the Premier League, looming large over football, because we're speaking about the team that's been the best team in the world in 2023, Pep Guardiola's uh, Manchester City, of course. And bring coming into this game up against Spurs, I watched the majority of this game. Obviously, I saw the end result. I couldn't believe that City, although that's this is a little bit ridiculous. On paper, if I had not thought about the game, not seen Spurs versus City games um, of years gone by in the Pep Guardiola area, I would have figured that City were going to run away with this game 3-0, nice and easy. I mean... Spurs started with two fullbacks at centre-back. They are way down on uh, on personnel. James Madison obviously has been out for a while, a couple months. And the second James Madison went down, the second they ran, in, ran into that Chelsea team, they've, they, they've essentially fallen apart. And they haven't won a game since. Spoiler alert, they did lose to West Ham on Thursday. So they, it's not like this game against City, they, it's not like they were in a special run of form. They've been pretty much awful. Every single game, I believe they've, they've gone up 1-0 in every single game. And they've dropped points in every single game. And they've lost most of them. I think this, the City game, ironically, was the only game in which they did not lose in this awful run of form that uh, Ange Postacoglu has them on right now. Unfortunate for them because injuries are killing what is a thin squad in terms of quality, in terms of depth. But they put up a, an almighty fight. They put up a proper scrap at the Etihad Stadium up against the three-time running champs. Of course, City, that's an awful result for them. Really, really bad result for me for them. Um, considering that, they did go 1-0 down against Son, Son Harry Kane uh, of years gone by. They always find uh, some kind of jammy goal up against City they they tend to hit them on the break they hit them on the break with this one Son opens the scoring but City being Manchester City they create a couple of goals especially the Phil Foden one which is a classic uh a classic classic uh Manchester City goal tiki-taka football work it into the six-yard area and Phil Foden finishes it off uh, Son gave and he took he gave and he took uh, in this game he scored an own goal to essentially level the level the scores uh, City were up 2-1 at halftime and in this you're kind of thinking okay they dropped points in the two games previously against Chelsea that 4-4 as well as against Liverpool the 1-1 
they're not going to drop points from this position. They're winning. They're up against a depleted Spurs team. However, however, that wasn't to be the case. Spurs just kept pegging them back. They kept pegging them back. Kept pegging them back. They kept fighting. It was extremely admirable. And it's not like City didn't have their chances. Uh, uh, Julian Alvarez hit the post uh, at a certain point. I believe City were up 2-1 at the time. Um, but Los Also steps forward with a gorgeous left-footed curler into the bottom corner uh, off of the back of really rave Spurs play. Ange Postecoglou has come out and said that, hey, listen, this is how we play. He said it in the do-or-die situation when they lost. Uh, they were down to nine men and they still played a high line. They still played forward-thinking football. They still pressed high. That's how they played against City. And there were a lot of moments when I felt as though, geez, you guys are, are asking for trouble. However, when it works, it works. And it looks beautiful. They got the equalizer. Jack Grealish steps forward. I believe he came off the bench. He scores another one. You're thinking 80-somethings minute. Surely City win this game. Surely they get the three points. Was not to be the case. And uh, I believe it was Kulisevsky with a, a nice little header at the end to equalize it ends 3-3 City's run of not winning games continues to three games wild stuff uh, really really unexpected you wouldn't think this however when you kind of look at it on the surface you look at the names you look at it at a high level you're like okay sweet Manchester City they should win this game every single time but they are down to the bare bones of that squad at this moment in time Rodri did pick up a yellow card I believe in that game which meant he was suspended for the following game against Villa I'll get into that in a second but with injuries especially that Kevin De Bruyne one um that's really really costing the squad the depth in midfield is also not what it used to be. Obviously, Pep doesn't trust Calvin Phillips. And so whenever Rodri's out, it's bad news. Kovacic hasn't fully slotted in. I thought he would fit like a, a, a hand in a glove. I, I, felt, I thought Rodri uh, Kovacic would slot instantly into that team. It would be seamless like a lot of other City signings over the years. That hasn't been the case just yet. Uh, it is still early days uh, we can start to look at the table a little bit it's it's 15 games deep as of right now but City and they are notorious for being slow starters uh, they started slow last season they've started slow a couple seasons in which they did end up winning the league including 18-19 when they did catch my beloved beloved in what's probably the greatest title race of all time in the Premier League uh, and their squad depth is really chowing them right now. That's that's a big thing. He Pep's having to bring on these young kids. I did say I noted in after the Liverpool City game that he had he didn't even make a sub. Jurgen Klopp made five subs, and there's a there's a reasonable amount of depth when it comes to Liverpool versus or depth that Jurgen Klopp can trust in our. Uh, as opposed to Pep right now. Pep, it doesn't look like he can trust some of these guys. And it's telling. The other thing is they're, they're attacking depth. In years gone by, you could throw on Gundogan. You could throw on uh, Riyad Mahrez. You had Sterling. You had Gabriel Jesus. You had a lot of players where if 
your starting team, your starters aren't doing the business, then you can throw some of these guys on. Obviously, there's Doku and there's uh, Jack Grealish, which is good depth at left wing. Uh, you can start either of those and the quality doesn't drop, but who starts on the right wing? Uh, if if Bernardo Silva's not, not in the team or if Full Foden's not firing. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne would be in and amongst it in the midfield sense, playing in that sort of free-roaming 8, 10, hybrid role but he, he, Pep doesn't have have he's about one world-class attacker down which is the Mares sized hole in the squad which is eating them alive I think uh and then they followed up this performance which I think is a really really disappointing result to not win against Spurs Spurs of all teams who are showing their Spursiness I did mention five games in a row now that they have gone ahead and lost or drawn. Uh, and the City game was the only game that they've drawn in that stretch right now. Uh, City followed that up by going to probably one of the top three toughest assignments, toughest away days in the Premier League right now, going to Aston Villa, who had won before City arrived 13 games in a row in the Premier League at home incredible run Unai Emery you deserve a fucking standing ovation fantastic work he has Villa sitting in the top four as things stand right this instant amazing stuff Villa win this game and they completely dominated City the one stat that that stood out more than any other stats I watched a, a good chunk of this game obviously the Liverpool game was on so I watched that beforehand but I watched what I could of the City game. I saw Leon Bailey have an absolute the game of his life. But the, the main stat here was that City had two shots in the entire game. Aston Villa had 22 shots. You will never see a stat like that in your entire life on a Pep Guardiola Manchester City team. You're never going to see that ever again. Incredible. And it was Kind of incredible that they only lost 1-0. So Leon Bailey scores. Uh, a little bit later, Douglas Louise hits the post. And you're thinking, Aston Villa, the scoreline doesn't show the golfing class. Villa completely dominated these guys. Based upon what I saw, which is the majority of the second half, Villa completely dominated this game. Incredible stuff. You don't often see these sorts of things. And the same issues that I spoke about when it came to the Spurs game, Obviously, we had their head a couple days later when they had to go to Villa Park. Wild stuff. As things stand, Manchester City are fourth in the table. They're six points behind Arsenal. I'll touch on Arsenal in a little bit. Uh, and they're six points behind Arsenal. And it's not looking too good. We all know that Kevin De Bruyne is going to come back. They're going to win 12 games in a row. Is six points enough of a cushion for Arsenal to have going into what is the inevitable Manchester City winning run. We know they're going to have that winning run, but do Arsenal have enough of a cushion to maintain their lead at the top? Time will tell. I think they should be good, but they have a very tough assignment. They have to go back. They have to go to Aston Villa. They have to go to Villa Park on the weekend. On Saturday, that's a marquee game in my eyes of the weekend. Very, very interesting. We're going to see what happens. Last year, they did beat them 4-2 uh, in extra time. 
scenes. So it should be a great game, that one. Uh, that's probably the game I'm most looking forward to. Uh, and since I've, I've started on Arsenal, Arsenal have been... They, they got a good win against uh, Wolves, somewhat of a routine win, 2-1, nice and easy. The Luton Town game was bonkers absolutely bonkers so they went to i want to say it's kenilworth road forgive me if that's not the correct one but they went to that itty bitty stadium there in the middle of nowhere um and they they got an absolute game they had an absolute game ross barkley was played out of his socks uh he 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 had one of his throwback games back to his Everton days when he was still, when he could kind of do what he wanted. He, he was a little bit of the, the spark in that Everton side for a couple of years before he went to Chelsea, of course. He had one of those throwback games where he was kind of running the show. Arsenal were extremely sloppy, extremely sloppy to concede three goals to a Luton Town team as the best defense in the league oh my goodness gracious me it's not like they had too many injuries obviously Yuri and Timber is out but can we say that a guy who's only played what one or two games Max for Arsenal is is a key player he's only played one or two games for this team no we can't say that um, they had full strength at the back and they were really poor David Raya really poor really really poor um and that that's it just exacerbates the goalkeeper situation a little bit uh with Ramsdale on the bench murmurings that he's unhappy of course naturally so it it's it's small little problems however when you win games you can always paper over the cracks and Luton Town obviously they're not pushovers Liverpool, my beloved, we went there and we only got a draw. We had to get a late, late Luis Diaz equalizer to get a point. So I'm not I'm not going to discredit them. However, Arsenal are they have been the best defense in the league. And this this is the big thing for me. And to concede three goals at Luton Town, that's 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 really poor. And Arsenal were very, very sloppy. Luton Town Played up to the occasion. Arsenal played down to it. But Arsenal, at the end of the day, and I've spoken about this guy so many times, uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to reference this signing over and over this season and for the rest of his Arsenal career. Declan Rice stepped up when Arsenal needed him the most. They needed someone, someone to step forward and go get the win. Go get these two points that you know you're going to need. And Declan Rice, being the world-class player that he is, the world-class CDM, phenomenal player, big game player, he steps forward with a header in essentially the last touch of the ball in the game to win it 4-3 for Arsenal. Arsenal, they created a ton of chances uh, or a ton of good openings against a Luton Town who, at the towards the end, they were just they were just holding on by a fingernail they they were doing whatever they could to try and scrape and scrap for this one point unfortunately it all broke for them it broke down for them Declan Rice stepping forward he looks like a lad with a very large cranium um and he he stepped forward with that large cranium to get two points a very crucial two points an excellent header in like the 97th 98th minute of the game to win it for arsenal very very important 
win for them. Very important three points uh, and Arsenal roll on. Of course, I didn't mention they have to go to Villa Park, which is probably the toughest place to go in England unless it's Anfield or the Etihad. Those are probably the three toughest grounds to go to at the moment. And Arsenal have to travel there on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to that game. It's going to tell us a lot about how good Arsenal are and how for real, how seriously we should take Unai Emery's Aston Villa in terms of a top four bid. And who fucking knows? This could be a Leicester season. You, you never know. After the Leicester season, any season can be a Leicester season. And of course, Aston Villa, they've got a... a, a quality manager uh, which is kind of similar to the Ranieri situation of course unlike Leicester the Aston Villa hasn't been relegated recently they didn't come up from the championship recently and they've spent pretty pennies uh, a few pretty pennies um, especially with that Jack Greedish money so they are doing very very well they are in Europa Conference League and they should probably be a shoe-in for that for that trophy. And they should probably, they could pull a Newcastle this season and get top four. Uh, one of the most important parts of Arsenal getting those two points right now is because my beloved, beloved Liverpool Football Club... We would be top right now had Arsenal not won that game. Uh, hadn't Had they not gotten those two points, we would be top on goal difference right now. Reason being is because we participated as, <laughs> and of course Liverpool are massive, massive entertainers. We tend to entertain. We tend to concede a lot of goals. We tend to score even more goals, especially with this, this front line that we have. Salah is on fire, but... Our main man in the past couple of games, over the past two or three weeks, pretty much since the, since the international break ended, has been Trent Alexander-Arnold. Take a fucking bow, my guy. The scouser in the team, he's been phenomenal. So our past two games went a little something like this. We played Fulham at home, in which... I feel like we were really, really poor. We we did not do well in this game at all. And Fulham, all credit to them. They were really good. They held quite well. So they, they handled business in terms of defensively, in terms of the regular play, regular flow of the game. We didn't threaten them nearly as much as the scoreline suggests. However, this was just one of those bonkers games where guys were pulling worldies out of their ass from nowhere. First goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold, he doesn't score the free kick. Of course, it eventually was went down as an own goal for the keeper. Unfortunate, I believe it was Leno. Uh, I believe Leno is uh, Fulham's goalkeeper. It it hits the top of the crossbar on, and uh, goes in off of the back of the keeper. One nil to us. We concede not too long after that. Poor, we we were really poor. I think this was a very similar game to the Newton Town game for Arsenal, where they were really sloppy. I think we were quite sloppy in a lot of situations. A lot of our passing was sloppy, but. For some reason, we just we just refuse to lose this game, and almost exactly the same as how the Arsenal run of events went. Because at a certain point in the game, 
Luton Town had scored, Ross Barkley had scored, and Arsenal were down 3-2. They came back, scored two more goals, and won the game. Same situation with us. We were up 2-1. Uh, and please, if if you have a chance, go check out this McAllister long range worldie. It looked like a Steven Gerrard hit. He hits it from about two fucking miles out and it nestles into the top corner. Just excellent. Oh my goodness. I stood the fuck up when I saw that goal. Like, wow. Wow, what a goal. And that's a McAllister moment that we've all been waiting for. We've been waiting for this guy to come to the party. He's been criticized. Unfortunately, he's been playing out of position. Uh, and he stepped forward with that one, and it was just an excellent, excellent strike. You don't see those too often. You don't see guys scoring long-range belters like that too often in the Premier League anymore. Uh, and the second he touched the ball, I was like, please don't hit it. He hits it. Oh, Man, what a goal. Um, goal of the season, Consandre, it's not as good as Garnacho's, unfortunately, but that should be in the highlight reel when the 23-24 season is, is when the book, when the story is told, that should be one of those goals in that compilation because what a hit. And then we find ourselves on the back of two excellent goals down 3-2 at home late in the game. I believe we, we conceded... Uh, towards the, we can see it quite late, very, very late, uh, towards, I uh, believe it was 70-something the minute, and we had to get ourselves, we had to put ourselves towards ourselves and pull one out of the hat, Klopp subs on Endo, Endo scores a curling beauty from outside of the box, take a bow, I didn't know he could do this, I didn't know he had that in his locker, obviously we've seen Fabinho score two absolute belters in our title winning season, if we can have a CDM who can step forward and get two or three of those goals in a season maybe four or five, that'd be amazing because he scores an, a peach of a curler at the cop end to tie the game and at that point, Liverpool are smelling blood, we fly forward, we fling it all, we let it all hang out as you would expect from a Liverpool team chasing the game at the cop end at Anfield, especially a Klopp team and we get the winner through Trent Alexander-Arnold, the gorgeous volley, the ball falls to him towards the edge of the box, he hits it boom, bottom corner, cop end, scouse lad he slides over Boom, boom, boom. 4-3. We win the game. Then I think he scored that goal in the 88th, 89th minute. Uh, so Endo scores and then Trent scores about a minute apart. Uh, maybe a minute and a half apart. Something like 80, 90 seconds apart. Delirium, of course. And we're like, okay, we can keep this rolling. We roll into Sheffield United, who had the new manager bounce. bounce. Chris, Chris Wilder is back. Um, of course, he's the one who led them up a couple of years ago and had them finishing in the top. I think he had them finish seventh or eighth in the league uh, a couple seasons back. Of course, they went down and then they've come back up. And he's back in the, at the helm after they lost 5-0 to Burnley. <laughs> in any case, it was a very difficult game for us. I don't think we were very good at all either. However, Virgil van Dijk does step forward. Uh, from the corner, he scores, puts us ahead, and from there, we kind of just managed the games. Sheffield didn't create too many chances. We weren't that great either. However, we stuck it out, and towards the end, uh, 
towards the end, we get the second to kill the game off. Uh, Sobosly gets the goal. Uh, Darwin Nunez assists someone who's not named Mohamed Salah for the first time in his Liverpool career. Excellent stuff. And we keep it rolling. Right now we're second, two points off of the league leaders Arsenal. We go to Crystal Palace on Saturday. Arsenal, like I said, have to play Aston Villa. Uh, it's 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 very, very exciting at the top of the table right now. Uh, as things stand, like I said, uh, so it's Arsenal top. Aston uh, Liverpool second, two points off of them, two points off of us is Villa, and then two points off of Villa is City. And then you have uh, a nice little uh, <laughs> a nice little congestion of Spurs, United, and Newcastle uh, as things stand. So uh, I want to say that this, this, this title race has been very interesting. I think the top four race is going to be even more interesting especially considering that Newcastle went to Everton and got smacked 3-0 after beating United at the weekend I think Newcastle really really feeling the effects of not only their squad being ravaged by injuries but they're having to play week in or twice a week three times in a week week in week out is very very difficult especially when it's your first time first Champions League uh, campaign in 20 years for them it's definitely showing and they're going to drop they're going to drop uh, games like this quite often so I watched a decent chunk of this game Newcastle weren't even that bad it's just Everton had the legs especially towards the end of the game it was no nil going into half time, and then once Everton got that first, they kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and then they got the the they got the big win, which is great for them because they're out of the relegation zone after that ten point deduction. That shows you how bad the other teams are at the bottom of the table. Even though Luton Town is giving Arsenal games and taking points off of Liverpool, they're still down there. Burnley, who have been a, a huge disappointment for me so far. I thought they were going to play great football coming up from the championship. They're getting smacked around. Uh, and uh, Sheffield United, of course, who lost 5-0 to Burnley. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Uh, outside of them, Chelsea did lose to United. So United are on a really good run, actually. Uh, I, I did say this in the previous episode, that they are... They don't make sense right now because they're awful. They've been absolutely awful in the Champions League, but in the Premier League, they consistently pick up points, even though their goal difference is zero right now. So they've <laughs> scored, I believe they've scored 18 goals, which is, that's awful. <laughs> that's absolutely awful. Uh, to give a little bit of perspective, Bournemouth and Everton have scored 18 goals. So United have scored the same number of goals as Bournemouth and Everton. And they've conceded 18, which is not very good, but that's only one more than Man City has, has conceded. So wild stuff all around. City conceding seven goals to Spurs and Chelsea. That's, that's wild uh, over the past three games. So City... On a run of on a winless run, <laughs> when Lars when Lars have we had the chance to say that, and United could possibly overtake them if Luton Town were to somehow beat Man City, which I don't see that happening. Uh, so it's, it's it's extremely extremely exciting. Of course, hopefully it stays exciting, and by exciting I mean goes great for Liverpool, and we 
win the league, of course. Uh, exciting fixtures to look forward to uh, coming up. Like I said, Aston Villa third, uh, host Arsenal first. That's the marquee game of the weekend. Liverpool, we play Crystal Palace. City up against uh, Luton. And then a smatting uh, of all these other fixtures, of course. Uh, really looking forward to it. Best time of the year. Soak it in, soak it in. Because when once City get going, Kevin De Bruyne comes back, it's going to be same old, same old. So enjoy it while it lasts. Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, Villa fans. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, days and thems, I must love you and leave you. I hope you have a magnificent day whenever this podcast reaches your ears. And take care.